Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I'm so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. So at the moment, we are in between seasons here on the show, but while we're waiting for our next official season to begin, we thought that this would be a great time to pull some of our favorite episodes out of the Girls' Night Archive. This is a great time to catch up on episodes you might have missed throughout the years or to listen to old favorites all over again. Our guests are incredible. I know that I learn something new each time I listen to an episode, even if it's one I've heard a million times before. Okay, now without any further ado, let's dive into the episode. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin-D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and Powerful Relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. 
I've been there and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing. That is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Front Porch. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We cannot wait to introduce you to our guest. She doesn't know it, but we've been friends for a really long time. She thinks we just met today, but we've known her forever. Y'all may know her as Stephanie Mae Wilson. You've seen us share her posts and her podcast episodes and even little excerpts from some of her devotionals. Steph, we're so glad to have you here with us today. In your own words, will you introduce yourself to our listeners who might not know you yet and tell us what you do for a living? Oh my gosh. I'm seriously so honored to be here. I like, you guys just know how to make a girl feel so comfortable. So I already feel like, I really do feel like I'm just like settled in. I'm on the front porch. I'm just ready for some friendship. That's my favorite thing. So I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson and I'm an author and a podcaster. And my heart is to walk women in their 20s and 30s through some of the giant transitions that we go through in this time in our life. And so in my community, we talk about being single and kind of transitioning into dating and what that looks like and dating into marriage and moving to a new town or starting a new job and, and really how to keep your friends and your faith kind of through it all. The giant transition that I've been going through lately is becoming a mom, which is wild and wonderful. I'm a mom to, gosh, they just turned 16 months, 16 month old twin girls, Annie and Quinn. Um, I'm a wife and I really, I, I get to spend my time working with 20 and 30 something women. I have a podcast called Girls Night. I teach a couple different courses, one about being single and dating, and then one, a new one about, it's like a marriage prep course. I have a bunch of books out and I just, I really, I love getting to be a friend and really a mentor, but really just a friend who's like a couple steps ahead in life to just as many women as, as needed. And it's like, just honestly, the great honor of my life to get to do that work. It's our honor that you are here. Like we are so honored that you're on our podcast with us. We, like Angela said, we both love you. We're already friends. We're already friends. It We're is already friends. truly established. <laughs> but I have a quick question for you. You said 20 and 30 something year old women. Do you plan as you grow older to like increase your reach? Like still have your 
20-something, 30-something, and then say when you get up to four, your 40s, will you be including things for like 40-year-old women? Because like soon I will not be 20 and 30-something-year-old women. So I want to make sure I'm still in the correct demographic. <laughs> You are, you are. So that's been a thing. Like people have been, really like my family and friends have been asking me that from the beginning because my first book and my first, like my blog in the beginning and stuff was really to college women because I had graduated college just a couple of years before when I started it all. And so I really talked a lot about college. Um, and uh, then it was like sort of your early 20s and like, you know, you're sort of an adult now and like, what the heck does that look like? And so, and I really now I don't talk very much about college at all. And it's not like, I don't know that I necessarily made a, a super intentional decision to do that. But in each stage of life, I find that I really have, like, kind of once I've gotten out of it and I've had enough time to like really process it and then look back on what just happened, then I, that's when I have like the most to say about that season of life. And it seems like that's when I just end up finding a bunch of women who are kind of in that spot. And so it's as I get older, it really does tend to be like a handful of years behind where, like behind me or just like a diff, like the stage of life right before me. And so my goal in each of these, like as I get older is to just take as much out of my head as possible and like get it down on paper or get it into a podcast episode or something so that it can kind of live on once I'm thinking about sort of the next thing. So yes, all that's to say, yes, I, I really have been... I didn't... I, I thought that I would be in college ministry forever. That was like... My heart was so for women who are in college that I kind of thought that I would do that forever. But that hasn't been the case. It really has been like, okay, well, now that I'm married with kids. Now I'm like, man, that transition into marriage was wild. <laughs> like that was a lot. So what did we learn? Oh my gosh, we learned so much. We have to share what we learned along the way. And so maybe by the time my kids are like 20, I'll be like, gosh, transition into motherhood was crazy. <laughs> Let's talk about it. We definitely want to circle back to some of those topics. But you know what? I blew right past our stop sign of where we introduce you a little bit more to our listeners. So what, one of the questions that we like to ask is, what were you known for in school? It could be high school, junior high, just something that li listeners might not know about you. Oh, okay. So I was probably... I don't... I mean, I don't know if this was like... My school was giant. I went to a huge high school. There were 2,500 kids in my high school. Yeah, it was a lot. So I don't feel like you have to like be pretty crazy to have like a pretty serious reputation, I think. Um, so I don't know if I was like really known for much, but my, I think it probably would have been like the achiever. That would have been like my persona because I was involved in everything. I, I was in AP classes. I was in choir. I was in uh, student council. I did yearbook for a minute. And then I was a dancer. I was on the dance team. I was a cheerleader my freshman year and then on my dance team this, the last three years. And so I wasn't like a straight A student. I was more like a B plus student, which kind of drove my dad crazy. He was like, if you worked just a little bit harder, you'd be all, like get all A's. But I was so much more interested in student council and in my relationships and in friendships and like all of the extracurriculars, which is kind of fun because I feel like my actual life has centered way more around the extracurriculars than it has around, I don't know, whatever I was, chemistry or something. <laughs> so yeah, I think I was, I was like, I think I was the achiever. That was my, my thing. 
It totally see that. And that's definitely translated into your life after school, like the way that you, like you said, super involved in extracurriculars and friendships and like that is your life and your career now, which is awesome. I also yes. love knowing that you were on your dance team. I had no idea that that was a thing. Oh my gosh. I feel like I need to talk about it more. I need to like find some, I mean, there are definitely videos. There are photos. I was, <laughs> and we were actually, it was pretty intense. It was like, I don't know. I mean, different schools may not have this, but it was like cheerleading, but it was called Palms. And we would do, we would dance at halftime. We would kind of stand on the side with the cheerleaders and do some like dances, but really our, our thing was competition. And so it, we, my senior year, we won state. We were really good. So it was like an enormous time commitment and like all of my, all of my time and heart went into, went into, to dance, which like that didn't end up being my career, but it definitely taught me a lot about like perseverance and hard work and stuff. So yeah, I'm I'm really good at false eyelashes as a result. I'm really comfortable with a giant hair, like giant bow in my hair. And I can do the like the alphabet, like the vowels, like smiling, like you go A, E, I, O, E. And cheerleaders know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so cool. I I'm just, I'm totally blown away because if I have heard that fun fact about you before, it didn't stick until now. And now I'm picturing you in like exactly what you described, the huge eyelashes, huge bow, and state champions. That is the coolest thing ever. It was really cool. It was really cool. That is so funny. I I think that I just assumed it was obvious. Like I feel like like I also was a sorority girl. I feel like that's obvious. And so, but maybe I'm trying to be like, listen, you can still be friends with me, even if you're not a person who likes cheerleaders or likes sorority girls. You like you we can still be each other's people. So maybe I've been like downplaying it for years, but that's yeah, that's definitely me. Well, it's so interesting too, at least where I grew up, like there weren't dance teams. There was color guard that had the flags that would perform with the band. And then I moved out to Texas and I'm like. So you have cheerleaders and then you have these girls that wear skirts and boots and cowboy hats. And then you also have the color guard. And it's like, we had cheerleaders and color guard and there's like four extra teams here. Yes. Texas is, I mean, yes. Like a whole, if, if it can happen at a football game, I feel like there is a thousand iterations, which is pretty fun. Oh yeah, football is like a religion here in Texas. It's crazy. <laughs> okay, so we are on the front porch. What are you sipping on? What's in your glass? If it's during the summer, if it's if I'm just like, you know, reading a book or something, then it's probably like iced coffee. But if I'm with friends, then if it's in a warm time of the year, then it's probably Prosecco. And if it's in sort of the fall, winter, spring, it's got to be red wine. Cabernet Sauvignon is always my favorite. I've tried to like other different kinds of red wine and I do, I like them, but I, that's just really what I want. So it's either Prosecco or Cabernet Sauvignon. You'll sit on, sitting on the porch. You fit in yeah. so well here. You don't even know. <laughs> I'm so good. We would love to hear because I think one of the best ways for people to get to know you better is to hear the story about how you and God met. So would you share that story with us? Yes. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I kind of maybe told a little piece of this, but I I didn't grow up 
uh, a Christian. I didn't, I think my family, like we were more Christians than anything else. We would go to church on Christmas and Easter and that was kind of about it. But I didn't grow up in like, I didn't grow up in Christian culture. I didn't grow up with like a relationship with God, a personal relationship with God. And honestly, for the longest time, I didn't think I needed one. Especially when I was in college, we talked about moving an achiever in high school, and I was the same way in college. I was a little, a little lazy in some of my like core classes, but I was a journalism major, and that was I loved it. That felt like getting to have an extracurricular be my major, and so I just like threw myself into it, and so I was achieving really highly, you know, in in my you know future career. You know, I was in a sorority. I loved it. I was on the leadership. Uh, Panhellenic Council for any Greek people who know. And I just, all the parts of my life were going really well. I was in a great relationship with a really great guy. I had lots of friends, but on the inside, things just weren't quite going as well. I ended up uh, going through just a really sad breakup with that guy. And I had more, way more of my identity and just my whole life wrapped up in him. And so when he exited my life, I really didn't have a lot left. And then even though these different parts of my life were going really well, I, my relationship with myself was just in a really ugly place. I just didn't like... I just didn't like myself, honestly. I, I didn't love myself. I didn't... My inner critic was just absolutely brutal. And so I feel like the outside of my life, I was, I was a pretty solid... Or not solid. I was a pretty like shiny shell but I really did feel like a shell. And then I think going through that breakup about halfway through college was just kind of this thing that just cracked me and everything fell apart. And so I honestly was in the darkest place I've ever been in. And that lasted for a while. And in the wake of it, like, yeah, I just, every part of my life just felt like it kind of fell apart all at once. And the cool thing was, and I highly recommend this anytime it feels like your life uh, is falling apart is that I got to leave the country <laughs> right at this time. <laughs> and so like truly, if everything's going wrong, buy, buy a plane ticket and get your passport out. But I got to study abroad in Sevilla in Spain, which is truly my favorite place in the world. And I was going with... I, we kind of made this decision independently, but my best friend from my whole life growing up also decided to study abroad in Sevilla. And then her like other best friend, Kelsey, also decided to study abroad in Sevilla. And so I kind of you know went thinking I wouldn't know anyone there and ended up going with a best friend and someone who really quickly became another best friend. And the interesting thing about the two of them is that they are, were both Christians, are both Christians. And I kind of was like afraid of Kelsey because of that fact. <laughs> I like wasn't sure what to think about her because I just didn't know really anything about um, God, about Christians, except for that they like, I don't know, were kind of goody-goody like, always did the right thing. I don't know. I just sort of like rolled my eyes a little bit at the things that I I did know about, about people who followed Jesus. And then Michelle was also a Christian. She had kind of recently become one, but because I already knew her, I wasn't as like weirded out by her. And so I ended up studying abroad for, for a whole semester with these two women who were just really instrumental in putting my heart back together in a lot of ways. They, first of all, treated me differently. Like, I feel like I got to see a, a different side of Michelle because she was kind of in the process of becoming different herself. And, and I got to, because like, I just got to see a, a new side of her that I'd gotten to see in different seasons of life. And they just showed me like the most wonderful friendship. They were so kind to me and so good to me. And 
they were people I could talk to about like the deepest things going on in my heart. And I just hadn't really known where to bring those things before. And so I showed up in Spain, just this total disaster and got to roam around the most beautiful city ever with two people who really loved me and who were such a safe place for me. And that was so healing. But in the process, you know, as I'm trying to put my life back together, I started asking a lot of questions about God. And especially because they had a relationship with God and they would talk about it. And I just wanted to know what I believed. And I I think that now that my life had fallen apart so completely, I was in need of something more in a way that I hadn't been before. And so I uh, was asking a bunch of questions. I, I honestly just like slammed them with questions. And anything I could think of, I asked them and they were again, so kind to just talk with me through anything that I wanted to talk about. But I was pretty sure that that Jesus, while he was different than I thought, as as I got to hear more about him from them, he was different than I thought, but I just still wasn't totally sure that he was like for me. So then we ended up going to uh, Italy for spring break and we were in Rome at the beginning and we ended up doing, this is an important detail, you'll see why, but we ended up doing a pub crawl and they gave us free t-shirts as part of the pub crawl. And again, this was like in a different time in my life. So I was really good at chugging beer at that time. And so I participated in this like, I don't know, chugging contest or whatever. And I got second place, but I swear that the guy who won first place was enormous. Like he was like a beer chugging professional tank of a human. And so he won, I got second though. And that was that was the night. So then the next morning we woke up and we thought we've had fun in Rome. We should also do something kind of cultural, you know, we're here. And so we decided that we were going to go visit Vatican City that day. We didn't shower before we left. So we smelled like the pub crawl the night before. I was definitely hungover, definitely hungover. And we had just been given free t-shirts that all matched. So we decided to wear them. So I showed up at the Pope's house, hungover, smelling like beer and wearing a free pub crawl t-shirt. And it was... So we're wandering around the Vatican and getting this tour and then we walk into the Sistine Chapel and I'm looking around and you know the ceiling's incredible and our tour guide kind of signals to us that it's time to go and right as I am about to leave I turn around and I see the last judgment Michelangelo's fresco on the back wall of the Sistine Chapel and to be fair as the art critic that I am I'm not at all <laughs> I <laughs> it's not my favorite painting ever and it's not my favorite depiction of Jesus and actually it's like a little scary of a of a painting, but I didn't see any of that in the moment. All I saw was Jesus. And I just, in that moment, felt like I I made eye contact with him. And it didn't feel like, I can't describe really what happened because what happened doesn't make sense. But I just, it felt like in seeing him in this painting that I was locking eyes with an old friend that I was so happy to see. And all I wanted to do was just like run and give him a hug. And it was such an odd feeling, but it was so true and so consuming. And all of my thoughts of like, this is what I think Christianity is like, and this is what I think God is like, and this is what I don't want. And you know, all of my judgments and preconceived ideas just were quiet in that moment. And all I could think was, I want to be friends with him and I want him to know me and I want him to like me. And so really, I think, in, in my head, I said some version of like, all right, Jesus, like I'm in. And I walked out of the Sistine Chapel 
still smelling like beer, still wearing a few pub culture t-shirts, still hungover. But I walked out a Christian and that was the day that my relationship with Jesus started. That's such a great story. And I feel like I'm hearing it for the first time all over again. It's like one of my favorite stories of like, it's a Jesus meet cute kind of. And it's like one of my favorites of all time because I relate to it in a lot of ways, like particularly the stale beer and pub crawl t-shirt part. Like that's where Jesus found me too. And that's like, that's a whole other story for another day. But just that it really is kind of a moment, like whether you grew up knowing God or thinking that you know God or something, there's always there's always a moment that um, he really just shows up to you and like tells, like comes and meets you where you are and says like, all right, let's do this. I'm here. Are you here with me? And that's such a beautiful moment. It's one of my favorite stories of all time. So thank you for sharing that with everybody. Oh, thanks for asking. I don't, like, I haven't told it in a while. And so it's, it's so fun to like relive that. And it's, it's my favorite thing because it reminds me like since that day, I've, I've gone back and forth trying to like clean myself up. Like there, I've totally fallen into the trap of thinking that like, well, no, now God loves me because like I do the right things. And because I spend time with him every morning and because I've read my Bible this many times or whatever, like I, I start to think that maybe I've earned it. And that's always when my relationship with God is like just the worst. I always have to, or there's times where I feel like I can't be close to him because I'm really messy. And I always have to think back to that, that like, okay, he found me messy. And it was, and if I'm any less messy than I was then, it is a hundred percent because of him. And just that we don't, it's, it's not the kind of thing where you shine yourself up to meet with Jesus. It's like, he comes and sits with you wherever you are. And it's just like my favorite thing about him. That is also my favorite thing about him. I don't know if I heard this on your podcast or if I heard it listening to like church on TV, but Jesus and God, they love you. It doesn't matter like who you are, where you're at in life. They love you. And they use the example of look at Jesus. He kept, he kept the company of some of the most undesirable people. And he loved them and he loves you like he loved them. And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you're lying or stealing, like he doesn't want you to do those things, but he loves you. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. It is. Yeah. You're welcome with him. You're safe with him. Mm-hmm. Love that. Can you tell us, like, obviously God changed your life that moment in the Sistine Chapel, but can you tell us a time when God like completely wrecked your plans and how it turned out? Oh my gosh. Yes. So I, I I told you guys, you know, I was studying journalism in college and I loved it. And I just wanted to do like be a journalist with everything in me. And, but the crazy thing was that as I fell more in love with God, almost like at the exact same time, I fell out of love with journalism. And it wasn't that like, the career was like, I mean, people would, tell, there's all kinds of things that like stink about being a journalist. Like for the first bazillion years of your career, you're paid like in peanuts. You know what I mean? It's like you make nothing. It's really hard. The hours are crazy. You have to move all over the country. Like I knew all these things, but it wasn't that that deterred me. I just, I had this passion for journalism, but the more my passion grew for, for my relationship with God, it's almost like it replaced it. And it didn't join it, it replaced it. And that's not always the case. Like God does not always 
zap us of our career ambitions. <laughs> but he really did for me. And looking back, I think it was, I think he just like needed more of my focus. Like my, for the way that my brain worked, the achiever in me was busy, like thinking about these other things. And I feel like he was like, I just want you to be busy with me for a little while. And so I uh, was about to graduate college and had to figure out what I was going to do. I like, my options were to go take a job in Washington, D.C., um, working for a, a news outlet, or to go on a 10-week mission trip to West Africa in, in Ghana to partner with a church there and just like, honestly, just basically be an intern. And so I had to figure out what I wanted to do. And like, I really, really felt like, I don't know, I feel like God gave me the option and that was hard. It's really hard when you when you have two choices, but I just knew like the the place where my like I was being pulled, like where my heart wanted to go was to to go and spend 10 weeks um in, in Ghana. And so I did that and I totally walked away from this career that I just spent the last four years working towards. And it was crazy. It was like, what am I doing with my life? 